Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Welcome this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all that that applies to here today. We are uh, we're just taking a week off from our Ephesians series just to do a special Mother's Day message. It's just one of those things I just decided to do at the end of uh, or the beginning of the week. Uh, decided, hey, let's just take the week off from Ephesians. Let's look at Mother's Day together. Just some scriptures that deal with this or a story that is going to be helpful, I believe, not just to moms, but to everyone in the room here today. It was really early one Friday morning, and there was a husband. He was getting ready for work, and his wife was still sleeping as he was getting ready for work. Uh, he was about to leave the door, kissed his wife goodbye as she was waking up, and the wife said to him um, at, at, with a big smile on her face, Honey, uh, I'll bet you don't know what day this is. That's a bad thing that happens when a wife says that to a husband. But he did not want to let her know that he did not know what day it is. This man was terrible with dates and terrible with remembering those things. But he looked at her with a loving smile and said, Sweetheart, how could I ever forget? This is a special day for us. And with that, he left and he went to work. As he's at work, he was paralyzed in his mind thinking, what day is this? I don't have a clue as to what day this is. Now, he was horrible at remembering her birthday, at remembering their anniversary. He just had no idea. He was thinking, was this the, uh, the anniversary of the day I proposed? Was it the anniversary of our first date? He just had no idea. But he wanted to go along with this. He didn't want to let her know that he didn't know. <clears throat> so as he's at work, he devised a plan. And the plan was this. As on his way home from work, he was going to stop <clears throat> and pick up a large bouquet of expensive flowers for her. He would call and make a reservation at one of the nicest restaurants in town. And in fact, in the community that they lived, the symphony was playing on a particular evening. And so he called and got tickets to the symphony. On his way home from work, he picked up the flowers. He got home. He said, honey, because it's a special day, I want you to go put on your nicest dress. I have made reservations for us. Here is the flowers. I just want to celebrate with you. Well, she got dressed, they went out, and had a wonderful, wonderful evening. It was truly a special evening. The problem was, the entire time he was thinking, I still have no clue as to what day this actually is. On the way home, 
the wife laid her head on his shoulder, just saying this was truly a special evening, and it really was. He spent over $500 on the evening on tickets, on a meal, on the bouquet of flowers, and he said, honey, yes, this was just a beautiful day. And she turned and looked at him and said, this is the absolute best Groundhog's Day I have ever celebrated <laughs> in my life. Now, we know today is not Groundhog's Day. It is Mother's Day, and it's an exciting day to be able to celebrate our moms here today, to pay tribute to those who really do such an incredible job of raising children. There's a heavier burden placed on the family these days as it comes to raising kids. In fact, Mother's Day is truly a special day. More and more, people are choosing not to have children or children are seen as a burden. And we just want to reaffirm here today that mothers, you are absolutely very, very special. You are something that is vitally important. Now, the scripture doesn't talk specifically about Mother's Day, but there's a lot of implications throughout the Bible on what Mother's Day really is and how we are to honor moms and honor women in our lives. Now, being a mom, being a, a wife, being a mother, other is a holy calling. I have watched my wife, especially as she deals with a very imperfect husband, uh, and, and I've watched my just wonderful mother as she also deals with a very imperfect child, uh, my sisters, of course, not me, referring to them. But I've learned by observation that mothers, being a mom, is not just, uh, not just a thing that happens, it is a holy calling in life, and it is a very hard calling calling in life. What I want to look at today is a story out of 1 Samuel chapter 1. In fact, we're going to read the entire chapter 1. It's a rather lengthy story, but it gives a good demonstration for what a godly woman, a godly mom does in life, how they lead by prayer and how they lead through surrender to what God's plan is for their lives. Let's pray as we begin, and then we're going to get into 1 Samuel chapter 1. <clears throat> Father, I pray today that you would be glorified and honored, that you would be lifted up. This is about you. It's all about you. We want to come before you in submission and surrender. We want to come before you to give you the praise that you deserve. We have praised you through the singing of songs of praise, and now we want to praise you through the study of your word. You are King and Lord, and we honor that. Lord, we thank you for moms that you've put into our lives. We thank you for the moms among us, the moms that have influenced us, Lord, and we pray for your blessing upon them. I know that this day can be a difficult day for some as well. It could be a difficult day for moms because their children are not walking with you. So, Lord, let this be an encouragement today for those whose children are not walking with you. There is a difficult process for those who want to have children and have not been able to. Yet, Lord, you are still able to use them as an influence and nothing is beyond your ability to perform. So, Lord, we surrender this time. We ask for your blessing as we study your word together. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible, Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We are going to be reading today from the English Standard Version, the ESV, so not the typical version I read from. Um, 
The story today in 1 Samuel chapter 1, I need to set the context for you. Israel was a mess, absolutely a mess. In fact, in the book of Judges, uh, God would bring judges in order to help restore Israel. Israel had walked away from God. They had been overrun by other people, and God would bring judges in order to heal the nation. In 1 Samuel, what we're seeing is the story of one of the judges or the ramifications of a judge that was not so good. The judge's name was Samson. And you know the story of Samson. You've heard the story of Samson, Samson and Delilah. Israel, again, was a mess. They were lost. They were in sin. They were being overrun. They had been overrun by the Philistines. The Philistines had come in and destroyed uh, the community of Shiloh. They had stolen the Ark of the Covenant and taken it back to their country. It was absolutely a mess. Samson was supposed to fix this, but Samson was himself a mess. He had a woman problem, and that woman problem would lead to other problems. Problems in his life, instead of surrendering to the Lord, he was more concerned with his own, own desires. And Samson had left the nation as a mess. So Samson created a problem and really had just, the, the problem was just amplified because the nation of Israel was lost and they were in sin. And God was going to do something about this. God was going to use a woman by the name of Hannah who was going to have a son whose name was Samuel. And Samuel was a child of promise. And the child of promise was there to deliver the nation and get the nation back on the right track to deliver them and set them free. Interestingly, the name Hannah means grace. And through grace would come a child of promise. It's a picture of what salvation is. Salvation is this. People are lost. They're in sin. They have no hope. Life is dark. Life is chaotic. And yet God would send and give grace. He would send a child of promise in order to deliver the nation. And this is the exact picture of what's happening here. The nation's a mess. Through God's grace or through the grace of Hannah, God is going to send a child to help Restore and set free and deliver the nation from the mess that they were in. Here's how the story goes there was a certain man. This man lived in a community called Ramathaim Zophin of the hill country of Ephraim. Now, the man's name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Eliehu, son of Toha, son of Zuf. An Ephrathite. Now, if you're looking for a child's name, because you're going to have a child someday, pick one of those just from the list, just for fun. He had two wives. Can you imagine, guys, having two wives and the chaos this would create? Well, the two wives, one was named Hannah, and the name of the other was Penaniah. And Penaniah had no ch or had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man, El uh, Elkanah, used to go up year by year from his city where he lived in order to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at the temple, the location that God wanted him to worship. 
it was at Shiloh. Now remember, Shiloh had been destroyed, and Shiloh was a mess as well. Now, in Shiloh were two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, and they were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions of the sacrifice to one of his wives, Penaniah, and his wife, and also to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. Why? Because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. So what is the story? Well, she couldn't have children. She was barren. Her husband loved her, dearly loved her, gave her a double blessing and a double portion just to show her how much he actually loved her. But she was hurting because she couldn't have kids. She desperately wanted to have kids. It was her heart's desire to have kids. She couldn't have kids. The Lord, it says, had closed her womb. Her rival, this is the other wife, is the rival. And this rival... Penaniah used to provoke Hannah grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Do you see kind of the dysfunction that was happening in this family at that time? It was a mess. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. This is the other woman. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Now, get the audacity of this man. The man was saying, aren't I good enough? I am better than ten sons. Just like a man. He could fix everything. Why... Why do you feel bad? Why are you weeping? Why are you sad? Get over it. I am better. I'm able to be better to you than any amount of kids that you could ever have. Again, just like a a typical man. After they had eaten and drunk at Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. So what is going on? Hannah is hurting She is grieving, and so her natural response is, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to go to the temple in order to meet with God there. Now, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord, and she wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow, saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli looked at her and noticed that her mouth was moving as she prayed. Now, Eli made the conclusion. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her, her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli made the conclusion that she was a drunken woman. Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I, I, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as just some worthless drunken woman. For all along... 
I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And Hannah said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and she ate and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning. They worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. That means they had relations, physical relations, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived a miracle and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked him from the Lord. Then the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord... As you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent. That means dedicated. I have dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Now, why do I bring up this story? What's important about this story? The story is a picture of a heavy heart, a burdened heart, a troubled heart, a sad and grieving heart, and what you do with that heart. It's the story of children and how you may grieve for your children even. It's the story of how you pray for your children, how you seek the Lord in the midst of every trouble and every problem that you may have. I want to show you what Hannah did and how we can learn from this today. The first thing I want you to notice is this. Hannah prayed. Very, very simple. Prayer is the key in all of it. Prayer is going before the Lord, bringing my burdens to the Lord, bringing my requests to the Lord, asking the Lord for something and anything in life. I bring my needs before him. You know what's amazing about prayer? Prayer is the ability to get the focus off of you and onto him. Jesus would teach the disciples to pray starting in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The very first part of the prayer is not about me, it's about him. Prayer gets the focus off of me and it puts it on him where it belongs. He is the one who can answer, but I've got to get myself out of the way. 
Hannah's heart was burdened. Her desire was to have a child. More than anything, she wanted to have a child. This is a normal response. In our society today and in our world today, children are no longer valued the way that they once were. In fact, what happens to a nation when children are not priority and when people are not raising healthy children and women do not have that desire to be a godly mother? Well, the society falls apart, and that's exactly what we are beginning to see. Hannah had a strong desire because it was a cultural thing, but because it was the heart that she had. It was within her, wired within her, that she wanted this child. Now, culturally in Israel, there was a very common idea that for a man to have children would be lead to kind of an immortal type of life. Now, what they meant by that was the family name could continue to be carried on because we have a child. We have this child who can carry this on. And so that was her heart. She felt disappointment in her life. How do you fix it? Well, I try to fix it every possible way I can. No, her answer to fixing it was this. I'm going to go to God. And either God will make me content so that I'm okay with no child, or he will answer the prayer and give me a child. Either way, it's going to be okay because God is the one who's in control. For some, you can't have children. You've wrestled with this. It's been painful. I've got dear friends that tried for years to have children and they could not. And for a while, it was heartbreaking until they began to realize, wait a second, God is still in control and he has given us the ability to minister in other ways. And they have, they have fostered, they have, they were teachers and they taught, they uh, eventually adopted. And it was God's way to bring someone who didn't have a, a child into their home. God answered those prayers. And so the first thing they did was pray. Is your first response when you're hurting and when you're burdened and when you're troubled, is your first response prayer? That was hers. Is your first response go to the house of God and worship? That was hers. For most of us, the first response is, how can I fix it? How can I make this better? Her first response was, I want to pray. I'm going to go before God. I'm going to bring my heart before him, my burdens before him. This is biblical, by the way. Psalm 55, it says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Doesn't say he will answer exactly how you want. It says he will sustain you. He will give you contentment. He will give you peace. He will be with you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Again, be a person of faith. Go to, the God, go to God in prayer knowing he will help me. I'm going to cast my burden, lay my burden on him. I've been carrying it for far too long, kind of like a backpack you're wearing. I've been wearing this weight and it's wearing me out. I've got to take it off and give this to God. I'm going to cast my burden on him. He will take care of this. By the way, in the New Testament, Peter says almost the same thing. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What anxieties, what burdens are you carrying today? 
that God wants you just to let go of and let him carry for you. Maybe there's something in your life today that you need to cast upon him. You're stressed, you're worn out, you're miserable, and it's time to take it off and say, God, it's yours. Second thing that she did was this. Hannah not only prayed, but she prayed in pain and persistence. She was in pain. So many times the prayers of people are shallow and they lack depth. Do you know what pain tends to do? Pain pours out of you the depth of your soul, the real you. All of the junk starts coming out. In the Beatitudes, Jesus teaches the disciples the really, really the bottom line of what God wants. He starts in this way, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That means broken. Blessed are the broken, the ones that have come to the end of themselves. That's, that's where Hannah was at. She was broken. And then he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The word mourn means, it's the Greek word catharsis. And it means to throw up, bleed out, get it all out. When Hannah comes to the Lord, you know how she came. It is, I'm throwing up. I'm getting it out. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before. Usually I run away from that experience, especially if it's one of my kids. Uh, I don't handle people throwing up well at all. If one of you started that right now, this service would be over, just so you know. There's braver people, there's more courageous people than me, and I can't do that. I know, though, in times past, when I have felt sick and I have thrown up, how much better you feel. When you get out all of that junk, you feel better. Hannah went to God in her pain and in persistence. She had, in the house, a rival. In that day... God did not ever give permission, but he allowed these, this multiple wives thing. There's nothing biblical that gives permission to do this. This is not a practice of today. It was because of the sinfulness, because of the hard-heartedness of the people. And in a home where you have two wives, you can see how this could potentially create a problem. Guys, I don't know if you could handle that. I couldn't handle having two wives. I don't know if you could handle that at all. But there was a real problem. And the problem was, in our household, one is ridiculing the other, making fun of the other, talking down to the other. You're worthless as a person because you can't have a child. That not being able to have a child on her, uh, of her own and the constant message heard from a rival caused a tremendous amount of pain. And what did she do with it? She, again, went to the Lord in persistence. We have all kinds of scriptures about people, especially women, who persistently pray. They have pain and they pray. This is a biblical thing. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Now, that's misunderstood and mistaught. Because if you look at the original language, what it means is this. The original language says, keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't give up. Don't quit doing that. You know how this really hits home. 
is that there are many people in this room today that have children that are not walking with the Lord. And it hurts. And it creates pain. And God says, you keep praying. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. Now, there's no guarantee that that person will ever turn their heart to the Lord, but you do what you can, and that is you continue to be persistent. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You're going to find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden, it's light. And that's what we need. We need to go to God to find rest. We can't keep striving. We can't keep doing. The only thing I have control over, I'm going to pray. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep bringing my burden. I'm going to keep casting it on the Lord. And he is either going to do something or he is going to give me a peace of heart and a peace of mind that surpasses all understanding. She prayed in persistence. And pain. Hannah prayed though she was persecuted. And again, where was she persecuted? Right in her own home. She was persecuted not only in her own home, but she was persecuted even by a, a godly man named Eli. She is just crying out to the Lord. He is accusing her of being drunk and disorderly and a worthless woman. She is being persecuted, but even in the persecution, she did not back down. You may be persecuted. You may have pain, you may need to be persistent, and you may be persecuted. Maybe it's in your place of work that you're being persecuted. You're being ridiculed and made fun of. You may be persecuted in your own home because you're married to somebody who is not a believer. You may be persecuted by family members who are saying all kinds of things about you because you are one of those crazy, crazy Christians who follow the Lord. You may be persecuted by your own children. But again, even when you're persecuted, you still keep crying out for the Lord. In the book of Psalms, it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In Philippians 4, Paul writes this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Number four, she prayed with a pledge. What is a pledge? That is a vow. It is a promise. I am praying so sincerely that I am making a promise before God. That God, if you will come through, I am promising this child will be in service. I will dedicate him to you. It's not an empty promise. It's a sincere promise. You've probably heard stories of people being in wars. And in the middle of the wars, there are these foxhole prayers. Get me out of this mess, and I will dedicate my life to you. Get me, out of the pro get me out of jail, and I will dedicate my life to you. Fix my, my family, and I will dedicate my life to you. And those last about a week, or two weeks, or a month. And then it goes right back to the way it was. Hannah prayed, and she made a promise. And in the promise, it was not fake. It was genuine and real. In Psalm 76, it says, Make your vows to the Lord, uh, to, to the Lord your God, and perform them. 
let all around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared. In Psalm 61, so I will sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. When you make a promise to God, you be sincere. Don't be fake. He knows your heart. He knows where you're coming from. Be sincere. Finally, Hannah then performed what was promised. God, if you, do, if you would do this, I will dedicate him all of his life. And that's exactly what she did. She brought Samuel to the Lord, dedicated him, and he will help restore this nation. The people were lost. But God, through Hannah, named Grace, will bring a promise, and that promise, that child, will help restore this nation. She delivered, she performed what was promised because she was sincere before the Lord. When we make a promise to God, don't go back on that. Be genuine. Don't make something that you're not willing to keep. When you when you vow a vow to God, Ecclesiastes says, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. God, if you help me get overcome this addiction, I promise that I will follow you. Okay? If that's the case and he helps you, are you doing it? God, if you help me fix my family, I will follow you. Okay? He's doing that. Are you committed to him? God will come through, but he will not suffer fools. What we can learn from Hannah is this, that God desires us to bring our burdens to him in prayer. The first response is not, oh, I'm going to try to fix it. I'm going to try to get myself out of this. The first response is, God, I desperately need you. And you bring your pain and you bring your burdens to him. And you throw up before him spiritually, and he heals that and brings comfort. You bring your prayers to him even when you're persecuted. You bring your prayers to him with a promise, God, I will turn my life to you. I am not going to follow my own way anymore. I'm not going to do my own thing anymore. I'm going to follow you, and I will follow through with this. Now, this doesn't mean God is going to just make every situation go away. It doesn't mean he's going to answer every prayer. It doesn't mean, like Hannah, that you may have a child. It doesn't mean that. It means that God will carry you. It doesn't mean your children will turn back to him, but God will sustain you. He will be with you. He will help you through this. So let me wrap this up. What are the lessons that we can learn from Hannah? Well, number one is this. Number one, never despair. Never despair. God has you in his hands, and he will take care of you. The fervent prayer of a godly man, a godly woman, the Bible says, availeth much. It means that's what God is seeking. Our prayers are prayed so that when they are answered, God's kingdom will be advanced. So never despair. What about for wives or moms? Well, here's, the, here, here's what you can learn from this. The wife is a gift. The mother is a gift to the family. God wants you to be one of the best gifts to your family in the way that you live out your life. We've been talking in Ephesians about walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which he has called us. Are you as a mom or a wife walking in a manner worthy of him? 
would God say to you, well done. I am so pleased and I am so proud of you. Be a godly wife or a godly mom if that applies to you. What about for husbands and fathers? Well, love your wife. Accept your wife as a precious gift of God. Are you doing that, guys? Are you loving and accepting your wife as a gift from God? I know at times he could be irritating to you wives and wives can be irritating to their husbands. I know that. I'm not saying I know it from experience. Don't, don't, I don't want that to go to Jennifer at all, that it sounds like I'm complaining. I know we all think differently. We act differently. We, we have different opinions and different ideas and different personalities. Yet this person in my life is a gift from God. Are you looking at her like that? What about for children? Well, children, be helpful to your mom and respect them above all. Do not ever be disrespectful to your mom. And that's the message for children. I, I want to close with this thought. Above all, whatever you do, do unto the Lord. There is a book that was written by Dr. Dorothy Kelly Patterson, and her book was called A Woman Seeking God. And here's what she said. And I want to close with this thought. She said this, there is no more pressing need for the coming decade than a revival of interest in the responsibilities of motherhood. We need mothers who are not only family-oriented, but family-obsessed. There is much talk today about the virtue of not having children, of being childless, and in the fame of making one's own place in the sun. But even in the midst of the fading of motherhood in the United States, it is hard to locate even one graying mother who believes she made a mistake. You cannot pay a woman to do what mothers do for free. A mother has an irrational commitment, and she receives an intangible reward, not in materialistic benefits that fade, but in blessings and honor which will last through eternity. So to our wives, to our mothers, thank you. You are having an eternal impact and you are having an unfading reward. Let's pray as we close. Father, help us to learn today from the story of Hannah. When we are burdened, when we are hurting, maybe it's, there are some in here, maybe they're hurting because they haven't been able to have kids and their hearts are heavy. And like Hannah, they just come to you in prayer and either, God, you'll answer that prayer and that heart's desire, or you'll give them a different desire. I know, Lord, you'll sustain them, you'll carry them, you'll love them and support them through this. For those moms today whose children have walked away from you and their hearts are breaking, they're hurting, they're in pain, Lord, but they know that you are in control. And so they come to you in prayer. They come to you with their heavy hearts and their heavy burdens, knowing that you can help, knowing that you know and that you see and that you are in control. So Lord, help them to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking, hoping, Lord, that you will one day 
one day turn those hearts to you. Lord, for others that are, that are maybe new moms here today, I pray, Lord, that you would bless them. Give them other women around them that could be a good mentor, that can bring help and assistance and be a, be a person in their lives that is there to support them. Lord, bless them and help them and teach them and train them what it means to be a mom. And for others, Lord, whose children are almost grown or maybe they are grown and they're following you, thank you. But Lord, help those women to continue to use their gifts and abilities to parent the next generation. Father, we thank you for this day, for your blessing upon it. As we leave this place, encourage us, help us, and be with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming today and appreciate you being here. Happy Mother's Day to those who that applies to. We are honored. We have a gift for you as you're leaving out the door today. Pastor Grant will be handing those out. Hope to see you next week as we get back into the book of Ephesians. See you then. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.